everybody. Hey, I bet you're busy, so I'm going to make this quick. My name is Jesse. I'm an elementary art teacher, so usually what that means is that I push my classroom from room to room on an art cart. So yeah, I'm literally turning cartwheels. I'm also a martial arts instructor, so I'm also doing cartwheels in the dojo. I'm a Comic-Con vendor, a husband, a pet owner, an illustrator, a college night class instructor, a brother, a puppet enthusiast, an uncle, a YouTuber, I guess, uh, a son, and a podcaster, just to name a few. For me, the wheels are always turning. And in a world where more and more is being asked of us, it's enough to make your head spin. If you've felt overwhelmed and lost, well, so have I. And I don't claim to know the answers, but I'm happy to look things up. So join me at cartwheelspodcast.com for the latest episodes of the Turning Cartwheels Podcast. I'd really appreciate it. You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Call It in the Ring. And tonight we're talking about the 2019 Hell in a Cell WWE pay-per-view. I am Jordan. I'm joined here, like always, with best friend Ryan. How you doing tonight, buddy? Uh, it's uh, It's been a hellish week so far. There, oh, oh, there we go. That's a good one. We are reviewing what not only Ryan says, but a lot of wrestling fans say is one of, if not the, worst pay-per-views in quite some time. Ryan, you you said that 100%, right? I did, yes. And one of the things I pride myself on is that I'm a pretty, you know, fair person. I, I like to give tempered responses. I like to think about what I say before I say it. And I'm not one who, you know, speaks in hyperbole. But this pay-per-view made me question legitimately whether or not I wanted to continue watching uh, the WWE. I pay for the network. I haven't canceled it yet, so obviously I'm probably going to still continue watching it. But I, for the first time since I, I came back to the this stuff in 2017, I'm, I seriously considered just quitting. Now, is that because... You did not get satisfied with the last match because I had a personal family issue, so I couldn't watch live on Sunday. I got a chance to watch the whole pay-per-view yesterday, and I got to say, the last match definitely put a sour taste in my mouth, but the rest of the pay-per-view wasn't bad. Well, here's the thing. Okay, so the opening two matches perfectly fine the first one actually is one of the one of the better hell in a cells i've seen um since going back watching the pay-per-views um it is i think one of the best women's matches on a pay-per-view all year so far um and the second match was largely inoffensive guys just running into each other um but i think after that it evolves quickly and the last match really uh really irritated me um left me dumbfounded angry 
um, and just confused as to why that was that's the route they decided to take with that story. Um, but yes, overall, I think because the first match was so good and the second match was better than I thought it was going to be, and then it just devolved from there. I think that also plays into the fact that um, I think this pay-per-view is pretty terrible. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you, dude, that the pay-per-view was bad. I'm just saying, you know, what you and a lot of wrestling fans are saying, oh, this is, this is bad. It's just so terrible. It's like, it's it because the last match was bad? Because there's been a, there was a lot of interesting matches, okay? Let's talk about the first match. The match that you and I definitely praised. We had Sasha Banks versus, uh, versus uh, Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's title. Becky Lynch comes out on top here. But this is a very good match, and this brought me back to uh, old school Hell in a Cell, right? It just oh yeah, no, definitely. They're they're crazy spots all over the place. Like they're going the Meteora, the double knees through the table. That was that was pretty awesome. I've never seen that before. Um, and then the chair spot where she like sets her up in a high chair in the corner, and then does the running drop kick to her. That's pretty cool. Like that reminded me a little bit of I think I think it's Hell in a Cell 2017. Yeah, 2017 with um Charlotte, oh, uh, Charlotte and no, Sasha. No, no, that's 2016. No, no. Um, it's got the New Day and the Usos. That's, I was trying to guess a pay per view that has um Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon for the first time. Um, but the Usos versus the New Day, where um. I think it's the Usos trap Xavier Woods in the corner using kendo sticks and they beat the shit out of him with another kendo stick. They take turns just whooping on him while he's in the corner trapped. Pretty good spot. Really enjoyed it. And the match overall was it, it was great. Like the back and forth, it, it was it was nice. I do not think Becky Lynch should have won. I'm not tired. You you talked the last pay per view how you're kind of over Becky Lynch as champion and things like that. And I think that she should lose the title. I'm not over her as champion. I think she should lose the title just like I think she needs a little refresher, like a little, like a nice maybe one or two pay-per-view stretch where she has to, you know, get her groove back, like Stella, you know. Wow. I think, yeah, I know. Bring in old school from '98. Anyways, so I think that if she would have lost to Sasha Banks, it would make the most sense because Sasha's character uh, is like she came back because she she realized that she like she left because she realizes that she's she should be the top dog. But she was stuck in this like, you know, lower card tag team nonsense, and that's not who the boss is. She's the top. She's the top uh, attraction. And then she comes back, and basically gets her ass kicked in two consecutive pay per views. And how do you believe that she's the top person? How do you believe she's higher on the card than Becky Lynch now? Because because this is where Vince McMahon has always failed at. He never lets champions that he likes fail. He lets champions that he doesn't like fail, but Becky Lynch is not going to fail. I feel that Becky Lynch will be the champion until Mania. I feel they're going to build something back up. Uh, There has been rumors already around the internet that Ronda Rousey is looking to come back. There's also rumors of Nia Jax coming back. So you have two pretty big women that could be facing off against Becky Lynch. I think think she's going to keep it because this is my evidence. Brock fucking Lesnar. Vince McMahon sucks Lesnar's dick dry. And the motherfucker's always champion. Wasn't he champion for two years as Universal Champion? I'm like a year and a half, yeah. I mean, like a year and four months or so. And then he got it back two months later. Isn't that stupid? 
Yeah. No, it, well, I think Brock Lesnar is kind of a special case onto himself because he's not, he's like a special appearance. Like that's his contract. He's not, he does like, he, he gets paid per date. Like ever, I guess everyone gets paid per date, but like he gets paid to show up rarely because his cost is so high. It's like, like $250,000 just to show up or something like that. Um, 500,000 if it's a pay-per-view, I think. Um, whereas, you know, Becky Lynch, you know, may be clearing eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars for three hundred days of work, and so I, he's he's a specialty onto himself. But like, even with Becky Lynch, it took like a Daniel Bryan. I don't say a Daniel Bryan ask, I guess, but it took like a huge groundswell of fans refusing to accept this the 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 heel turn she had at SummerSlam twenty eighteen to get to this point. And even then, they try they still tried to shoehorn Charlotte into that spot because they they really want charlotte to be like the face of women's wrestling for them as evidenced by her winning the title for the 10th time later on in the in the in the pay-per-view just because like uh smackdown's on fox now it's a wider audience they want to put you know the who they perceive as the the best draws and the top you know high profile people on smackdown and they believe that she's going to be the one that leads the way and leads the surge into this new future and she may very well be but i find it boring and repetitive and i don't like it one bit well i I, i'll tell you something that's boring and repetitive roman reigns the second match was roman reigns and daniel bryan versus i mean the bludgeon brothers the bludgeon brothers yeah the former bludgeon brothers it was uh eric rowan and uh luke harper now eric ronan with daniel bryan is fine but it's great. Roman Reigns came back. He defeated Leukemia. Hell, there's a member of my family that actually has defeated Leukemia himself. So I get it. But I'm over Roman Reigns because, like you said, the second match of the night was this these people running into each other. And here's little mini Daniel Bryan who doesn't do anything. Bad match. Well, I, I don't, I'm not going to say bad match. I think it for you know what it's supposed to accomplish. I think it was I think it was fun. It has that you know heinous spot where Eric Rowan snaps a pencil in two. Um, that'll live in our memories forever. Mm-hmm. Um, there, yeah, my attempts at humor must not be going over that well, are they, Jordan? Um, <laughs> um, no, I think for you know what it is and what it's supposed to accomplish, it's just like a it's a side story for Roman Reigns. We all know that it's just. Biding his time until he, you know, he gets pushed back to the top of the card, especially on SmackDown. He's he's gonna win. He is going to win that championship either um, at WrestleMania or shortly thereafter. Uh, probably from Brock Lesnar. Who knows? He might lose it to Cain Velasquez for some godforsaken reason. Um, but I, I mean, it's kind of a stopgap. It's the it's it's a, a way that they could pay off that long running who tried to murder Roman Reigns thing. Um, that no one's going to really remember or care about come Survivor Series. But, you know, it, it, gave, it afforded Daniel Bryan the opportunity to turn face again, and a bunch of big guys run into each other. That's always fun. I, I guess. Uh, not me. Not me. There's, there, there's nothing to it. And uh, when they tried to do the somebody's trying to kill Roman Reigns thing, that brought me back to Stone Cold Steve Austin being ran over by the car. That's true. That would have been really funny if when like they, they revealed the other tall, ginger-bearded fella uh, in that one episode of SmackDown, if it turned out to be Rikishi. Right. That would be funny. Because, 
Because Roman Reigns is related to The Rock. Yes, he is. And so is Rikishi. So is Rikishi, yes. But like it would have been would have been funny. And so are the Usos. God bless it. Um, a match that wasn't even introduced. I, I'll just take one sec. Randy Orton versus Ali. I've always been um, a Randy Orton fan, you know, and the match wasn't great, but I thought the finish was nice with Ali. That's what I wanted to talk about was how Ali uh, looked like Ali was getting the upper hand. He uh, jumps to the ropes. He does a little spin. And when he jumps in the air, that's when uh, Randy Orton gets the RKO. Love it. We'll say, though, that I always hate when he does his Viper coil thing. And then he tries to hit the RKO because he never fucking hits the RKO when he does the coil. Like, just stop doing that. Well, he's he's letting him know that it's coming. Like, that's just, that's just you know, poor gamesmanship on his end. I guess. Or just don't do that because you go for the RKO as soon as you do the coil. And then the, it's, 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 it's stupid. You know, like, remember wrestling back in the day was like, Oh, 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 here they go. They're going to do their, they're going to do the special move because they're telling us it's just boring. I mean, this match itself was, you know, so-so, whatever. It was kind of boring. But that's just kind of Randy Orton's MO now, I guess. Like, I, when I left, when I stopped watching wrestling when I was a kid, he was just becoming, like, one of the bigger names, one of the top guys, whatever, getting it pushed in, one of the main eventers. And so, like, I never really got the full Randy Orton like experience but like watching it now he's like the elder statesman yeah he can basically do whatever he wants and it's not going to matter um they can put him into a top tier storyline or a mid card and it's it's not going to matter in the long run to his character so like most matches where it's not an important match like the one versus ali he just he kind of just never leaves first gear it's all slow um and then ali is a high-paced High high flyer jumping off the top ropes, whatnot. Um, I don't think their styles mesh well enough for to for them to ever have an entertaining match. Um, the only like the only inter- the only way I can think that they would have an entertaining match is if the storyline, which again, as you said, this match was not announced. It was set up in the pre-show, I do believe, when Randy Orton inter- uh, interfered during an interview with Ali backstage. Um, but like, if the storyline was something similar, like something where you know, Ollie's fighting for his life or something like that. And, like, he got beat down to a bloody pop, which, again, they're not going to show that on TV um, nowadays. And, like, he had to use his heart because he's the heart of SmackDown Live to to defeat Randy Orton. Other than that, their style, their match, they're never going to have an interesting match. Um, the counter to the RKO at the end of the match is probably the only the, the only highlight and the only thing this match will be remembered for, but then that'll be forgotten in a couple weeks because they'll either, one, not show Ali on SmackDown, um, or he's going to get drafted to Raw and they will not show him on Raw. Yeah, because Randy Orton will be on SmackDown, correct? I have no idea. The draft is this Friday. so Well, the first, first part of the draft is this Friday. Okay. Well, another match in the, in the middle of it. This is one that I have to talk about. Uh, this match was not announced either until the pay-per-view. You had the Kabuki Warriors, which is Asuka and, and Kari Zane uh, against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for the Women's Tag Team Championships. And the Kabuki Warriors won, and I was really, really happy because finally Asuka and, and Kari Zane are are, are Getting something for what they're worth. I've always been a bit of a fan of these two. 
And when I didn't know who uh, Kari Sane was, I always said she was the pirate lady. Always told me her name. These two are fun together. I I'm I'm gonna say congratulations to them for winning the women's tag match because they deserve some sort of championship gold. Um, and I didn't think the match was bad because anything with Little Miss Bliss in it is just perfect, Ryan. Well, I, the match itself was. It's what it was. It's like this whole stretch of filler matches that were announced the day of. I'm assuming because it's it's premiere week, they had to deal with uh, the season quote season premiere of Raw, which is asinine in and of itself, and uh, then the launch of the two hour first live episode, two hour episode of NXT going up against AEW, and then the premiere of SmackDown on Fox. They're gearing everything towards that. This pay per view kind of fell by the wayside, seemingly. Because um, they had, I guess, five five matches that were announced the day of, or weren't even announced. They were just put on the show. Um, which I don't, I understand that they they have the network. They want to put content on there because they want to get viewing hours, and that's like the whole thing. That's how you do your metrics, whatever. If it's viable, is how many hours of content are being consumed um, by individuals. Well, okay. And so th- that's why, but that's why the pay-per-views are three, three and a half, four hours long nowadays because they want those those metrics to look good. Because people will sit through and watch a whole pay-per-view, and if the pay-per-view is four hours, they'll do it regardless. Um, but like, you don't have to add all these matches because like if you look at the NXT takeovers, there's there's four, five matches. The show's two hours now. I think it's two and a half hours. Now that the show's two hours. It's probably gonna be three hours on their takeovers. But those matches, there's no fat. It's all it's all killer no filler as they say, and I think that's something they could have they could have easily done with Hell in a Cell because it's not a big pay per view it's a B show, um, not a whole lot of surprises are supposed to happen it, and all that stuff and I mean there's also the argument I I, I read about and I hear that pay per views now are commercials for the TV shows which makes sense because the pay per views don't cost sixty dollars anymore they're ten bucks a month, um, but still. You don't have to have these matches on here. Okay, we'll see. Now, this brings the point that I really wanted to talk to you about, since we have some middle ground matches that we're not going to talk about at all. What does Hell in a Cell mean to you? Because we talk about, you know, the pay-per-view and and how this was kind of just put to the wayside, right? To me, personal opinion, a Hell in a Cell match is the end-all, be-all. It's where the two opponents just can't stand it anymore. The rivalry has been huge, and this is the match where it's going to finally settle the score because of all the history that has come along with Hell in a Cell. So now, and we get a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, and we get two matches with the Hell in a Cell, that's fucking red the cage yeah, it, I mean, it, it doesn't mean anything anymore well no that's exactly because it's now it's a pay-per-view it's on their schedule they f- like they have to put matches on inside the cell whether it deserves it or not and i think that like for me uh, it's completely what you said because originally that's what it was before it became pay-per-view um, when we were watching it as kids, that's what it was. It was the f- end stop to a savage rivalry to see who the bigger, better, tougher, stronger, uh, m- more evil person was. 
And so, like, to see what it is now in the PG era, because, again, only a couple years in, I've only ever watched uh, these three uh, Hell in a Cells live. And so it it doesn't... Well, is it two? I don't know if they had one in 2017. Um, but it doesn't... Um, yeah, it doesn't get that that scary aura across anymore, that foreboding element. Because I remember being a kid, seven years old, watching the very first Hell in a Cell live uh, in your house. Um, I don't remember what it's called. It was it called Hell? No, was it called Hell in a Cell? I don't no, know. Anyways, no, no, no. It was, uh, was Bad it Blood. Bad, was it bad, bad Blood. Bad Blood, and the and then the famous one was King of the Ring '99 with Foley and. Or was that King of, 98, King, King of the Ring 98, 98 yeah. yeah. No, but I, I remember being seven years old and being scared shitless at the end when Kane appeared because I had just watched these two men destroy each other, The Undertaker being a badass the whole time, and then uh, Red Filter, Fire, Kane comes walking out, and The Undertaker's scared out of his mind, and like, I don't know. I don't get that feeling anymore. I don't get that. And again, I, I get it. I'm an adult. You know, I'm going to f- look at it differently now. But still, I, I, I want to I feel tension. I want to feel something. Well, actually, I felt a little bit of tension with the Becky Lynch-Sasha uh, Hell in the Cell match. And that means something. That made sense. But how do you have a pay-per-view called Hell in a Cell? And only have two matches be inside the cell. I'm not. I don't want every match to be in the cell. Then that would be ridiculous and ludicrous. But I mean, you would want all the main rivalries that have been, you know, cumulating at this point to be settled here, so they can push forward to Survivor Series to get ready for Rumble to start new stories for Mania. You know, you would think that Hell in a Cell would the would be the concluding chapter of what's been going on since Mania. You know what I mean? I just oh, I just yeah, I, mean, I just think they missed a the ball. No, I think that I think they missed a the shark on this one too. And so uh, if they if they just took the pay-per-view off of their calendar and replaced it with something else, it would it would benefit greatly if they had this as a special attraction match uh, again like they used to the color of the cell doesn't bother me one bit it uh, it can be red it, yeah i mean but i was also a fan of the 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 blue barred steel cages um instead of like the fencing i think they look i think they look pretty cool um but, so like the red it does i mean i'm not saying like it looks great i don't think it's an improvement over what we have i don't think it's such a detraction that it's something you should change automatically or as fast as you can all right well okay well, anyways back yeah. to the women's tag title match again boring it will serviceable nothing great about it we have a heel turn i guess between uh with the kabuki warriors which is a name i hate because um, i don't understand why they felt the need to push and force Asuka and Kairi Sane into a tag team together unless it's because they're both Japanese. That's exactly uh, the reason. And I would hate to say that because that sounds, I don't know, I don't want to throw the word around, but, you know, kind of racist. Oh, they're common, they're Japanese, so they must be friends, you know? That's basically what it boils down to. But then again, there's imperialism because they're Japanese people managed by an English woman, and that's just, that's just history right there. Um... 
the the title win comes out of nowhere. There's no really any build because the Kabuki Warriors were supposed to win the titles from the Iconics, but then the Iconics uh, lost them to um, Bliss and Cross, and it's just nonsense for the sake of nonsense. It's a title change just to change the title, just I guess to create something. But you, I don't know. You, I, I, call me old school. I feel like you need a story to make it important, to make it impactful, and there's nothing here. Call me old school. Let's not have a women's tag team championship. It's it, it, it's it's not there yet. I'm not saying that the women aren't there yet. We don't have enough yet, and you only have the one title. So they're gonna go to Raw and SmackDown, and then WWE, which is famous for contradicting itself, says that if you're drafted to SmackDown, you stay on SmackDown. So that means if the Kabuki Warriors get drafted to SmackDown this Friday, that means the women's tag titles will only be available on SmackDown, allegedly. I mean, I'd imagine they would either... Well, because back when they had the original draft in 2002, the um, Undisputed Champion, Triple H, he floated the between Raw and SmackDown, and then like that title went from show to show until they had the storyline where Brock Lesnar was like, no, nah, I'm good, I'm going to stay here on SmackDown. I don't want to go to Raw. And so that's when they gave Triple H the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, and they've ran with the two two top titles on each show since then. Um, so, like, maybe they'll just let the titles float around like they did back in the day. Um, but I think, like, they they had a tag team scene. They were trying to build it up. And then they just, when the Iconics became champions, they just kind of stopped. They Be- just stopped building it. And that's because they want to give the mid-card women something to fight over. Um, because they're not, they all can't be main eventers, but they all want to give them something to do to keep their names out there. So when they, when the main titles, the uh, storyline has resolved itself, another, another competitor can step up and take that loser's place to fight for the top title. But how do you keep them? What's a good way to keep them visible? If you're not good at writing women's storylines, boom, give them a title fight over. It's a very easy, it's a very easy thing to, to do because everyone can relate to that. You know what's not an easy thing to do? To watch the next two matches with the Viking Raiders. Oh, my God. Viking Raiders and Braun Strowman. Look, uh, I have nothing to say about this match. Really, I don't. Uh, Braun Strowman, I'm sick and tired of it. He can't get anywhere that I want him to go. The Viking Warriors, no interest in the Viking Warriors at all. I hate tag team gimmicks. I hate them. I've always hated them even when I was younger. Well, see, I I didn't watch these guys in NXT. Apparently, they they were really over, really popular. But I didn't watch them in NXT, so I don't see what the attraction is with these guys. Um, they're big and burly, and they can jump off the ropes, which is pretty cool. Um, but we've seen I've seen other people do that, and it's not like super impressive to me at this point. Um, so I don't know like what the big deal like because I watched AOP a bit in NXT, and I fucking dug what they were doing. They were these big badasses. But, you know, they're gone, and I think the Viking Raiders are kind of supposed to take, like, be, like, the big badasses of Raw, but we don't really see a whole lot of that. Again, I don't really watch the um, weekly programs anymore because I don't have cable, um, but, like, I don't I don't see the appeal of the Viking uh, Raiders, formerly War Raiders. I think Braun Strowman is a case of someone who should have been pushed um, to the top sooner, or at least given like a top title sooner, because now if he wins, like no, I don't think anyone's really gonna care that much and be like, okay, it's about time. But not like they're not gonna have like a Kofi Kingston reaction where they're like, you know, everyone's crying and cheering in the stands because he finally got the top title. 
Um, I think the best part of this match is the ending when uh, Braun Strowman punches AJ Styles in the face when he's going for his phenomenal forearm. And then um, AJ Styles acts like he passed out. And then when he comes to, he can't really, like he doesn't have, he's like, I'm okay, I'm okay. But he keeps falling down or tripping over himself. Yeah, no, I have not. Like I said, I have nothing else to say, dude. I mean, I think AJ I think this Styles magic... is sucks. AJ Styles is awesome. He's phenomenal. Um, I think that this whole match exists to set up the the match or the what, rivalry storyline, whatever is going to go on with Tyson Fury, the boxer. Because I hear he's supposed to wrestle or do something with Braun Strowman at the Saudi Arabia show coming up at the end of the month. He is, um, but I. But I think because this whole match, like it's a short match, it's got the War Raiders facing the Good Brothers, which is the thing that's happening on TV. But then if the OC loses, it doesn't really affect them that much because they're the bad guys. And this isn't really a rival, like a storyline thing. It's just a match got thrown together. So I think it all, I think it all exists to give those guys, to give us a match, put those guys on the show, and have Braun Strowman's fist, his his punching prowess, go over to the audience. I mean, this is as much thought as Vince McMahon put into it. His catchphrase is, get these hands, so let's have him punch a guy. <laughs> Stupid. This just absolutely dog shit. Um, then we have... Uh, Chad Who Gable defeating, you know, King Corbin. Okay, so here, here's the thing. Chad Gable used to be on a team with Jason Jordan, and they fucked both of these wrestlers in the ass hardcore. Uh, they decided to bring back Kurt Angle, and they decided to say that he was the father of Jason Jordan, which that was laughable. Would you at least agree with me on that? I don't think it's laughable. I think with the right uh, touch to it, it could be believable. Like, anything can be believable if it's spun the right way. I just think it was kind of weird how they presented it, and it never clicked, it never quite made sense no it never did so i'm gonna be controversial and say i like king corbin baron corbin it's not a great wrestler i have seen better wrestlers right but what i like about king corbin now is he's that slimy just bad guy who's just always there you know he's like what the rock said he's now a super tough dude he's std He's just there. You know what I mean? And I, I think I think a lot of people are like softening up to Corbin cuz he cuz I, I think that king gimmick or like the arrogance that the bad guys get when they win the king of the ring gets over with the crowd pretty well cuz I mean that's how uh, Booker T got his world heavyweight championship. He won the king of the ring, became king Booker, and then you know won the title eventually. So I they're think, repeating. They are, yeah. they are fucking repeating what they did 10 years ago. Oh, they repeat stuff all the time, just with minor tweaks. Um, but, like, I think I, th- I think that this version, because uh, he's he's not winning, and he's not necessarily in a top-line uh, program. Like, he's not facing Seth Rollins after winning King of the Ring. I would have preferred if someone else had won King of the Ring, like Ricochet or even Chad Gable. Because um, I, I don't like Baron Corbin as a superstar. I don't think he's that great in the ring. I don't, and I don't think he's that good on the microphone. If you're not good at either one, what are you good at? Well, I just think he's a good, slimy villain. You know, just like you're... He is... And what I mean by good is he's the bad guy twirling his mustache, 
with the damsel in distress and the uh, railroad tracks. He's that good. You know what I mean? Like, like he's not he's not Joaquin Phoenix Joker good. He's not Undertaker good. He's very slimy. And for some reason, you need somebody with that much slime on him in the WWE just poking their head around once in a while. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. You were a uh, you were a big WCW guy when you were a kid, right? Yeah. That's kind of like the uh, Eric Bischoff kind of sliminess. Is that you're talking about? Absolutely. Th- there you go, Eric Bischoff. Just just a very. I'm not gonna keep on saying slimy because I feel like if I keep on doing that, I should get paid for it. <laughs> uh, you know, but just 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 that asshole that's just there. And and when I first started watching wrestling again, I was annoyed as shit by him. You know what was it? Uh, the, the 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 constable is that what he was called? Yeah, constable, constable Corbin when he was GM of Raw. You see that? There you go. That's how that's how stupid he is. Every time something new happens, it has to be that something. His name, Constable Corbin, King Corbin. Like it's 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 just he's just a clown. He's doink. He's doink the clown. It's branding, man. You got to brand. You got to. You can't. You can't call him something else because then everyone else is gonna. Because then everyone's gonna forget the Corbin aspect. Right. You know. Well, the thing that I disliked about this match the most, though, is that like Shorty Gable, as I'm assuming his name is now, um, or Shorty G, whatever they're gonna go with, Chad Gable, he he beats Baron Corbin with a roll up. And then mm-hmm. celebrates like he had won the world heavyweight championship, right? And because he shut Baron Corbin up, but he didn't. He got a sneak victory, and that, like this is one of the things I was, I'm talking about. Like these matches, they don't need to be on this card. They don't have to be on the show um, because this does. This is, I think, one of the only ones on the main card that was added that has an actual rivalry going on. Because again, they wrestled each other for the King of the Ring, and then they had like a little scuffle the next week um, during the coronation ceremony. But, like, I don't know. The the booking here is you have Chad Gable win via roll-up when it's pointless for him to win. He gets nothing out of it. He acts like he won the world title, and then in the uh, in the back, he then proceeds to get his ass kicked by Baron Corbin. Yes. Like, what, did we, what did we accomplish? We already know Baron Corbin's a bad guy. We already know he's evil. We already know he's petulant. What, what, is, what got advanced... In why, this storyline because of this match. Why couldn't we have it sim- It's stupid, but why couldn't we have something as simple as, you know, the whole King of the Ring thing, Baron Corbin wins, they have a little scuffle. Why can't Baron Corbin say, hey, you want to think you're tough, shorty, gable, whatever he mockery he wants to say to him, let's just have him say, you and I in a hell in a cell. Then fine. You know, throw the guy around. I don't give a flying shit. But then, like, if you have Chad Gable win a Hell in a Cell match against Baron Corbin, and if he wins it in a certain way, then maybe the guy will have some clout. But unfortunately, like I said at the beginning of this match, Chad, who the fuck cares Gable? Because he's going to be quickly forgotten just like Jason Jordan was. Quickly. Who's not going to be forgotten? Go ahead. All they have to do is give Chad Gable... A clean victory. That's all they have to do, and that, they won't the rivalry. Do it. I know because he's he's short. Is that the only reason? Because he's short. Yes. The guy the guy has proven that he's like one of the better wrestlers they have on their roster. Okay. Like from a technical and athletic like aspect, he doesn't have the look. And I don't know. I don't know how he is on the mic because I don't think I've ever heard him give a promo because they don't give him time to do that. But like he 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 has demonstrated time and again that he's one of the better wrestlers they have. 
Okay, well, tell me this, then we got to move on. Do you think Stone Cold Steve Austin is a great wrestler? Yes or no? Don't thought, just yes or no. Yes. Really? Okay, do you think The Undertaker is a great wrestler? No. Do you think Kane is a great wrestler? No. Do you think Hulk Hogan is a great wrestler? No. Okay, so you said three no's out of the four, right? You said Stone yeah. Cold, right? I think I think Ric Flair is a great wrestler. Sure, but, but, again, my, like, but my question like, was, but, but my point was, is that Vince McMahon doesn't care if they're good wrestlers or not. He cares about what the character is and what they look like. That's what he cares about. Because if he cared about wrestling, Brock Lesnar would not always be the champion, goddamn always. Stone Cold was a great wrestler. Fine. Undertaker, not that great. Kane, not that great. Hulk Hogan, not that great. But Hulk Hogan was on the poster of every single WrestleMania for the first eight, nine years. So, what doesn't make sense to me, again, another segue, Charlotte Flair getting the 10th time women's champion. Uh, I don't know. The last time I saw Charlotte Flair in a great match was, was it TLC or was it Evolution when she had that ladder match with Becky Lynch last year? Evolution. Evolution. What a great match those two had. Uh, what a great rivalry. Those two should have been in a hell of a cell against each other. Fuck, it should have been them and and, and Sasha together. A triple threat. Uh, great, great. She won. She's going to be on SmackDown. She's going to be the face. Great. Bailey's not the face. That's awesome. At least Bailey had a title run for a little bit. Uh, it's just... Ugh. No, so I agree with you completely. I... Don't understand the layout of the match because most of it was um, Charlotte's a good guy, Becky or Becky Bailey's the the heel, and you would expect the heel to be dominating the the face, but it was the other way around. Uh, Charlotte was being very vicious the whole time, which is what you expect the bad guy to do. Um, they had Bailey working Charlotte's leg uh, for a long time in the match, where I don't think I don't, I don't think Charlotte really work the leg to to her advantage for the figure four and i just don't understand why they don't run with bailey because bailey is bailey's good bailey's good i'm tired of charlotte flair didn't care for this match moving on okay a match that you don't care about either seth rollins versus the fiend so i don't know how long we're going to talk about this one i don't i don't my god so here's the thing. You said I did not care about this match. I do care about this match. I dislike the match. I think that's I care about it so much that it made me question whether or not I wanted to continue watching wrestling or watching WWE. Fine, I retract my statement. I don't care about Seth Rollins. And I'm was okay. and I was interested to see what they were going to do with the Fiend. I was hoping are they going to have the Fiend win? And if they do, what is a Fiend WWE uh, Universal Champion going to look like? How's this going to look? Like, I'm really excited for it. What I call bullshit on. We all know, and the people that are listening to this show know, that wrestling's not real. They don't actually punch each other. I'm not going to get semantics with you. It's not like UFC. But to see a guy running around a steel cage with a Halloween mask on, constantly getting curb stopped, repeatedly, repeatedly, 10 times, I think, in a row, and he just constantly gets up, really does say, we don't give a shit about the product. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I completely agree, because you're there. this match helped no one. It hurt both of the competitors 
in the match. The The storyline is that Seth has to go to a dark place to overcome the Fiend, and that's fine. That storyline is fine. However, this is the first match in the rivalry, so it should not be inside Hell in a Cell. It shouldn't be at Hell in a Cell, and it shouldn't have this sort, this violence to it. Because, yes, he has to go to a dark place, but he's, he's supposed to be the one being terrorized. He... Uh, logic would dictate the story would go that he is going to lose his title here because he has to overcome something, right? You can't just put the first roadblock in the way and have him barrel through it like it's uh, nothing, you know? That is, that is, I feel, insult number one. Number two, I don't know what their plan is now with The Fiend because I'm not saying that he's unsalvageable. You can do, you could find some way creatively to you know, resuscitate this character, but he's been diminished to such a capacity after only one match, well, two matches, I guess, because he did beat Finn Balor at at, um, SummerSlam. So two matches. You build up this character since, I think think it was the Monday after WrestleMania, all the way to, from April to October, half a year, you're building up this character to be this monster and something to be scared of. You have him coming out and he's attacking all these legends and and, and uh, putting them on his wall of friendship, and then you just do this to him. It, it boggles my mind why anyone thought that this was the right approach and the way to go. Like I thought, I thought this match should have been five minutes, maybe seven, because he's the world, he's the universal champion, and he beat Brock Lesnar a bunch of times uh, throughout the year. You know. But you, you have it be majority kind of a squash match where the Fiend is just toying with Seth Rollins and then he puts him away with um, the Mandible Claw. Now, I think that the neck rake, whatever, neck breaker, I don't know what you call it, the thing sister, he does where he twists their neck. Sister no, not the Sister Ab- Abigail. No. no, not the finisher. Like the part where he like kind of pretends to snap their neck. Oh, yeah. That was actually really cool. That was the only part of the uh, match. I was like, oh, God, that looked painful. Right, I think that's dumb. I think he shouldn't do that anymore. And it, or if he does do it, it's like a post-match beatdown thing, um, because like just doing it in the middle of a match and then the his opponent is fine, like he can walk around after that. It diminishes the impact of that oh, move. Oh, it makes it good makes point. It look stupid. Good point. Don't don't get me wrong. Good point. I never saw that before for the fiend to do that. So that's why I was like, oh, that's interesting. You said two points. You said number one, number two. I got a third point for you. You ready for this third point? Okay. Are you ready? I think so. Okay, great. Tell me one fucking hell in a cell match in history where the ref called the match. Uh, 2018, uh, Are... last year, Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar breaks in, attacks everyone. Oh, fuck. Oh, whatever. Come on. Not Two like e- this. Not like this. Not like this. Two years in a row. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, it's never ended by or... uh, what well, I thought it was a DQ because the referee stopped the match. And it I was, was like, a good. DQ. Well, it's just a referee stoppage. I don't know if it's considered a disqualification, but the 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 commentators didn't didn't really say anything about it in terms of if it was a DQ or if it was a referee stoppage. So, what are we as the viewers at home supposed to supposed to take it as? And I took it as it was a disqualification. My first reaction was, "What the fuck is yeah. going on? How can you be disqualified in a Hell in a Cell match?" And also, the reason why the commentators didn't say much is because I heard Jerry the King Lawler, Lawler say four times in the pay per view. Oh, I was there for the first Hell in a Cell match. He said the same thing four times. You clearly can tell that these assholes are reading off a goddamn script. 
They just took me out of it. And the, and the last complaint I have is the stupid red lighting. Look, he's supposed to be... Oh, God, look. <sighs> I get this is supposed to be like this demonic creature monster thing. I get it. But what makes The Undertaker cool is that he's cool enough, but he's not doing suspension of disbelief. You know what I'm trying to say, dude? It's like, okay, you're you're doing way too much of the theatrical here to where you're insulting my intelligence of it being fake. I mean, come on. Like, why the red lighting? It was annoying. It was annoying. No, I don't. I didn't understand it either. Because when they first were doing it, I thought maybe like they were, they were just going to keep that for the like the first couple seconds of the match, and it would, it would the lights would come back up right when they were about to score off and stuff. But they kept it the whole time, and I don't mean I don't think it diminished the impact of it. I think if I were to pay money uh, to go sit at that in the that arena for the pay per view, and that happened, I'd be probably pissed off because it's low lighting. It's hard to see, especially when. Like, you know, they wear dark clothing to begin with. Um, and they're, all, they're in a gas structure that obstructs your view already. Um, that's that's that red as irri- well. That, that is red yeah. as well. That would, that would have irritated me to no end. But on TV, I, I mean, it came across okay. I don't think it added to the match. I don't think it detracted from the match. It just was kind of there. Um, and, yeah, the match itself, the layout is kind of dumb because the stomp is supposed to be like this powerful move and you sacrificed it because he did it to the fiend. Oh, so many times. And then the fiend just would get back up or kick out at one, kick out at two, whatever. And I don't know. And then the post-match beat down where the, like, Oh, the fiend regained his heat. Uh, he's the one standing tall at the end of the pay-per-view. It's just, it's just asinine and, and, and dumb. And it, I don't think that really works because like, oh, he lost because the referee was afraid for Bray Wyatt's well-being, even though he's a he's supposed to be this monster. He's being built to be this killer monster. And that's how they I just I don't I don't know. I'm at a, I'm at a loss for words. That's why you can't do that. That's why like Finn Balor, the demon's cool in a way. But it's kind of not because you are starting to get into a movie instead of professional wrestling. But well, everybody, this is what. Well, I wanted to say one more thing. Sorry, before before we ended it. And I apologize for cutting you off there. What I had imagined, I think the thing that depresses me and disappoints me the most about it is I thought they were going to let the fiend be champion on Raw. Because you have this really great, interesting, intriguing character where it's a Jekyll and Hyde thing, where you have Bray Wyatt, who's now not the cult leader, he's a split personality, where he has, you know, Bray Wyatt, Mr. Rogers, sweater wearing, uh, Funhouse, uh, Firefly, Firefly Funhouse host, and then you have the Fiend who heals people by letting, when they let him in. And he could be just running rampant on Raw and, and attacking people and control, like, you know being a monster like he is and it gives you an opportunity to build up a baby face a good guy to come in maybe wrestlemania maybe SummerSlam next year to take the title away from him and then you would supplant like you you would you could use bray wyatt and the fiend as this merciless merciless heel character to put someone new someone younger over 
someone maybe like Aleister Black or Ricochet or another NXT call-up or something like that. But no, no, you ruin him in just one match. You throw all of that out for nothing. I, I don't know what you want me to say on that one, pal. I mean, I mean, I'm 100% agreeing with you on that one. So, just sad. Yeah. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this most recent episode of Call It in the Ring. We'll be back in November for our Survivor Series pay per view. So, again, if you are new to Call It in the Ring here, you have myself and Ryan. We also are on Movie Guys Podcast, and we sit here and we review the current pay per view that just got released for WWE. And we want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode. Make sure to check us out at movieguyspodcast.pondby.com, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on iHeartRadio. Just search for Movie Guys Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram and also Twitter. Just look for Movie Guys Podcast. We're the logo with the popcorn with the headphones around it. And also check out our brand new podcast network, EMC. You can Google, find them on Twitter. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And Ryan, I will talk to you next month for Survivor Series. Have a good night. In the future, roving bands of comic book podcasts will savage the wasteland, once known as the Internet. One podcast, the Grawlix Podcast, may not be the biggest, may not be the funniest, may not be the most well-spoken. Wait, what was my point again? Oh yes, the Grawlix Podcast. Listen to it at GrawlixPodcast.com. That's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com. You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows, visit electronicmediacollective.com.